is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. The Meat Improv! Hello and welcome to The Meat Improv with me, Josh Simpson. And me, Jake Jabour. This is a very special episode of The Meat uh, from our train tour. Uh, which in real time, Jake and I have been done with for weeks now. Weeks. But uh, we're still rolling out these episodes. Uh, we had a lot of fun in each of these cities. Chicago is a city where we did uh, two shows. And then uh, this little thing you're about to hear here, we interviewed Sharna Halpern, uh, founder of the Improv Olympic in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, she worked with Del Close to kind of start that theater. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she had a... Hand in instructing a lot of the comedians that I'm sure you listeners uh, look up to today, like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Chris Farley. Uh, Bill Murray? I think that was a little before. <laughs> <laughs> SNL was in the 70s. <laughs> I started in the 80s. But yes. Knew him. <laughs> I think Del Close knew him. Anyways, Jake doesn't know anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm just mad. Hmm? <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a really good conversation with Sharna Halpern. Um, uh, I think you'll find it interesting. We talk about the old days of IO. Uh, talk about Chris Farley a little bit. Yeah, sort of uh, what she's seen in trends over the years. Uh, yeah, how she like views sort of the positive like transformation. I think. Yeah, I think so. And that was one thing that kind of struck me about it was about the interview is that I felt like. I guess sometimes when you talk to people that have been in the improv community for a while, it can feel like, ah, uh, back in my day. Yeah. But she definitely had a positive outlook on, like, the present day and the future. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was cool. Um, and I guess... It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was a really fun conversation. Uh, <laughs> there's dogs in the room and phones go off at times, but, you know, that's just part of... We rolled with it. ...business. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. So here it is, uh, our interview with Sharna Helpern. It's about the size of my dog. <laughs> That's about yeah. the size of my guy. Oh, hi. Oh, she's got stitches. Okay. Very bad mood. Hi. She's like attacking. It's not like her at all. She's got a bad infection. She doesn't feel good. If I touch uh. it, she goes like, ah. <laughs> Um, well, we just wanted to talk to you a little bit okay. and ask you some questions about, uh, I don't know, improv, IO, Chicago, okay. all that kind of stuff. Because uh, we're obviously <laughs> improvisers, comedians, and we're somewhere in the family tree. Okay. Uh, Good. Being from UCB out in LA. Okay. So, uh, so I guess the first thing we wanted to kind of ask you about is so this was founded in 1981. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, and you founded it with Del Close, the IO. Well, first I had it. You had it, okay. For about a year, and I was doing games, you know, kind of like whose line is it anyway, okay. comedy sports type yeah. things, because it was nothing like that was happening here. And if you weren't one of the six people on the Second City main stage, and that's all there was, there was no other stages, you know, you just weren't playing. So um, I had graduated Players Workshop of Second City, and I started my own little theater based on David Shepard's games. And uh-huh. um then I was doing that for a year and, you know, it was, it was commercially very successful. I got identity teams, like teams of rabbis called the God Squad and <laughs> you know, psychologists called Freudian Slippers and all this stuff. Like Some people real, were psychologists oh, oh yeah, yeah. Everybody was real so because it was the only way to get people to care about improv because Bernie Salins, who owns Second City, 
kept saying to people, no, improv is just a tool to create sketch shows for yes. Second City. So don't bother going to those shows. You know, it's oh. not anything that you should pay money for. And it was really upsetting me because people wanted to write about me and they'd interview Bernie and he'd mm -hmm. say, no, it's not an art form. And I'd be like freaking out. Whoa. Um, so it wasn't until for about my first year that I approached Dell because I just felt like I had gone as far as I could. And I was kind of getting sick of the games. You know, there was just nothing, same old tricks, yeah, you know, same right. old jokes. And I thought there's got to be something more for improv. If we're starting to get bored with improv, then something's very wrong. Yes. And so that's when I met Dell. And that was like my second year with Dell. And then we were together for 19 years. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, so you're... You kind of you're married. You're we weren't married. married. I know you're. <laughs> we, we, we were family, you're definitely family. We're definitely a working marriage. We're partners. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, mm -hmm. I just met. I really didn't know you. I knew no, you that's okay. I'm, I'm not offended. <laughs> um, uh, but the family was founded on the idea of improv can be an art form that worthy of its own audience or worthy of its own space. Absolutely. That's yeah. when we created long form, you know? Yeah. Did you say the family? Did you say? Oh, well, I know the family. It was, okay. it was Matt Besser, McKay. The, the family. And, exactly. Right. And, and UCB yeah. even yeah. started there. I mean, they had their little logo all over my cabinets in my green room. I wanted to kill them, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, everything, everything came from IO, you yeah. know, all the, all the work. Yes. And I'm kind of curious in those early days. So, like, Second City came before. That was sort of the yeah. game in town. I feel like this is a theme for just improv communities everywhere. Chicago, L.A., I, there's a similar situation in Austin that we just found out about. Mm -hmm. But, like, of like theater, maybe not creative differences, but maybe just, like, n people need more room or there is some sort of well, I, thing. I, I, maybe. We didn't have creative differences, if that's what you're thinking of why people left. Second City. I meant oh. between Second City, like, well, not creative differences, but like, here's a, here's a theme that I've noticed. There's not enough room at blank theater. So well, then a certain Second City. Like, I'm starting this new well, one. Well, yeah. I mean, Second City had six people on their main stage and it wasn't anything against Second City. I yes. just wanted to play and I didn't yeah. know that I would get it taken. <laughs> right. So I made, and I had an improv group called Standard Deviation and Dan Castellaneta also graduated near me, uh, like a little before me. Homer Simpson, right? <laughs> yeah, Homer Simpson. So he had a group. And so I thought, you know what, if I, if I start my own little theater, I could play every night. It was purely selfish. It wasn't yeah. anything about Second City. Yeah. And then Dan was like, yeah, we'll play too. And, you know, we'll do. And then, like I said, people weren't coming. So I thought I'll get these identity teams and we'll do a benefit <laughs> for the police. Wow. And we'll we'll yeah. find ways to get people to hear about us, you know, at cross currents. And that's what I, that's what I did, you know? So, um, but it wasn't like I left Second City. I was never with Second City. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was just a place to play. You yeah. Know? Gotcha. And, um, and it was hard because, you know, all the stories would be about Second City and maybe there'd be like one line at the end. And there's this little thing called Improv Olympic too. <laughs> and then as we grew and more people and we were getting better and better, suddenly it was like all about Second City, but a paragraph about IO. Right. And then it'd be half a story about Second City <laughs> and half a story about IO. And now, you know, wow. I was just as famous. And so it's yeah. really exciting, you know, and, and then all the stars are coming, started coming out of there, you know, like, yeah. you know, it, there was this one era where it was like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and David Koechner and Anna McKay and, mm -hmm. um, you know, just Brian Stack and all these amazing, amazing people to Meadows. And they were all playing like Armando shows. And it was just like, yeah. just amazing. And it wasn't creative differences that made UCB leave, you know, they wanted to try to sell a TV show and they moved to New York and yeah, 
you know, I would, and yeah, and I knew I, that they would want that Saturday Night Live because they always would come to my theater. I knew that they would want Amy soon, you know, mm-hmm. and I worried about her, you know, <laughs> but she said, no, I'm going to commit to this for a while. That's all right. If they want me, they'll take me later. And I was like, okay, good. Wow. All right. Because they all made this commitment to each other. And I thought, sure, but you're the one who really is going to be giving <laughs> up something. But, but everything was fine. Is there still like a, I get the feeling from hearing about those, those like older days that like, it was maybe more of like an incubator with, or a smaller incubator, just by maybe by sheer size of the improv community. But like that, well, Dell worked directly with right. the family, right? And sort of like yeah, he directed the family. Yeah, show. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone was honing their, you know, they were all getting wet behind the ears. They were all. I mean, we were creating long form. I mean, you know, the first team was Barons Barracudas, you know, and they were like. What the fuck are we supposed to do? And they would they'd be like a 45, 50 minute show, you know, because yeah. they couldn't figure it out, you know. But then after they finally got it, then the next team would be like, oh, you want us to do that? Sure. Okay, we can do that. And then it got easier and easier. Then the family came and it became fast, you know, because Dell was always into slow comedy, not meaning that we have to be slow, but that mm. we're really thinking between the lines and it takes time to do that. You know, it takes a good 10 or 15 seconds to figure out what's the game move that mm. you're giving us, you know. And, um, but they were able to access that third thought so quickly, you know, that they were just like, Dell described the family as watching six men uh, fall down the stairs and land on their feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you think they're just totally out of control. And that was to go, holy cow. Do you think they, that that was a, like just the chemistry of those individuals or that they came at a time when you had sort of figured it out? How to I think of- a little bit of both because we, before them was Blue Velveeta and okay. they were great. They had their era too and they were amazing. They were amazing. Was that Brian Stack or no? Um, or- sometimes. Okay. Brian Stack was really on a team with um, uh, Andy Richter, but Brian Stack, did sit in because somebody, I think it was Mitch Rouse got work. Okay. So Brian was kind of like the understudy. So he became part of it. <laughs> I'm um, thinking of jazz Freddie. Is that, was that, well, maybe that they, they were all in that too, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but Brian did sometimes play with blue Velveeta. Um, but, uh, they were a great team. And then, yeah, so it kind of got figured out and then, uh, it was a lot of their brain chemistry. They were all so smart and so yeah. funny and they played this, very funny. And, you know, they always said something and that, I think that was really important to me and improv and to Dell is like when you get on stage and you get your suggestions, you're raising that level of suggestion to mean something and you're saying something to the audience. And that was what was so great about the family. They had something to say. And when their show was over, you knew what it was, you know? Yeah. Interesting. That sort of brings me to another thing I want to ask you about, which is, uh, cause I knew Dell and, or, I don't know if it was, was it the committee in San Francisco or uh-huh. maybe it was about the work with the family, but like I knew that Besser talks about sometimes how like it would be the news of the day that would sometime inspire maybe a monologue or maybe sure. just the yeah. scenes of the night. Yeah. Uh, does, is that something in this modern age, <laughs> you know, um, I just, I just wonder, I don't know. Did, do you think there's a responsibility there? Did Dell in any way to like, kind of grapple with like the harder sure. things going on I mean in the world I think I think that's definitely our responsibility yeah. I mean as performers again every time we get on stage we should have an opinion of what we want to say and what we want to get across you know um I I definitely feel like there's just so much anger going on in this world there's so much violence there's just there's got to be a way to deal with those things mm-hmm. on stage. And I know that there was a big brouhaha with Second City because some audience member was so mad at some people. And there was, you know, then they put up this sign like, we will not talk about this and we will not say that. And 
and it's kind of, and and people wanted me to put that sign up, and I was like, no, we're not. We're, we'll talk about anything. We, yeah, you know, we we can't. I'm not going to censor our shows. And the moment people start telling me that we have to censor our shows, is the moment I walk away. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, the censorship I'm never worried about, but the audience is sort of like. Even in LA, I did I do a show at the UCB out there. It's like a political talk show. We had a guy who got offended because we talked about a police brutality like bill that was on the election docket or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was a part of the police force. But like it really was a terrible bill. <laughs> ACLU was against it, Black Lives Matter, all these things. We were just sort of we had an angle on it. We were just talking about it and he was like well, you have to, you? Yeah. you know, our job isn't just to make people laugh. You have to make people offend. You can make yeah. people sick. You yeah. can make people angry, but that's your job. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. You yeah, know, somebody just, asked Jim Carrey, I mean, and I'm not going to support Kathy Griffin. I don't care about it at all. But, you know, if, if there was a line that was crossed and he said, our job is to cross the line. Right. Yeah. 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 Traveling here, I think one of the questions we get the most from people who are not in comedy is like um, about that. Do you feel that you need to censor yourself when you come to these towns and do things like that? They're asking from the other side, though, about like being PC. Yeah. Uh, which is, I don't know, like that's the, that seems to be a chorus from like people that are like, oh, I got to be so PC. And do you think that that comes in waves or is that? I know. I think it, it does not come in waves. It's been very heavy duty now. And it's very scary to me because like people are afraid to say what's on their mind because everyone on Facebook will jump on you yeah, and they yeah. will boycott and they will do this and they will do that. And it's just gotten like so namby pamby and wimpy that you can't say anything. And now they're jumping on their critic. How dare you say this? How dare you say that? How dare you talk about me? How dare you not like this? How dare you, you know, um, and uh, we just never did that. If the critic didn't like your show or didn't like your clothes, so that's her job. You know? <laughs> She's her opinion. It's her right as a yeah. reviewer to write what she wants. And suddenly they're all jumping on her and not inviting her to shows. And it's like, you know, I haven't even read this review supposedly that she wrote that was supposedly so terrible. But it's like pff, suddenly like there's just... Improv- like from a newspaper or from a blog or something like that? A newspaper. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> You don't get a lot of that. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy already. But it's it's these millennials that they think a bitch about everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I've said before, like a lot of commenters, not a lot of comics. Uh, a lot of commenters, what? Not a lot of comics, like not a lot of comedians. Uh, oh. There's a trend I've noticed. It's just like let's be funny. I guess we're supposed to be comedians. Yeah, but I mean, we're supposed to be funny. We're supposed to. Make fun of it. Like, that's why I love watching Steve Colbert and I love watching Seth Meyers. You know, yeah. I think they know how to handle mm-hmm. the politics of the day. Mm-hmm. And they say what's on their mind. And some people don't like it, but who cares? Did Colbert do that here? He did study here with me when he was in college. I trained him and David Schwimmer in a group called No Fun Mud Piranhas. <laughs> they were from Northwestern. It was a Northwestern team. And um, yeah, and then he went to Second City after that. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Was there anybody who surprised you, maybe just like in the direction their career went, or anybody who like uh, either one way or the other, just like uh, they they ended somewhere, did something that was just like when you saw them, you were like, I don't know, just, yeah, surprised you at all? No, I mean, every, the people who've made it who are famous... I absolutely knew it would happen. You know, in fact, Adam McKay always thanks me because if it wasn't for me, there would be no Adam McKay. Um, He was 
performing here for a few years and um his parents said that's it you know you were stand up at home you didn't make it and you're doing improv you're not making it we're not supporting you anymore you're not making any money you're coming home Mm -hmm. and he came to me you know with tears in his eyes to my house to say goodbye because he had to go home and I said no 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 Adam you you've got big things in store for you and he said I can't stay I don't have money my parents won't help me and I said then you stay with me you can live at my house and I'll take care of you but there someday you're going to be very very important and uh he did he lived with me and then Wow. The rest is history. What is it that you saw? He's brilliant. Yeah. He's brilliant. He has incredible ideas. In fact, you know, when, um, as I said, Lauren Michaels comes here once or twice a year to get talent. And I said to him, I said, this guy will make so many changes in your show. I mean, you've got to take wow. him. He will do, he's so smart. And, um, yeah. You know, they took him and eventually he wanted to leave because their demographic was so young. He couldn't do the things he wanted to do. Um, Cause Lauren was like, Jesus, Adam, the kids are 13 that are watching this show. And Adam's like, yeah, you're right. I got to go. I got to oh, go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, he, you know, I worked for funny or die for under him oh, yeah? for a little while. Oh, you did? Yeah. And he would, he, he, one of my assignments for him was to like, look up these lost shorts of his. Like he did one about uh, Neil Armstrong, like coming back from the moon. It was like a short, a digital short. Oh, really? I'm not sure if it ever made it on the show because there definitely wasn't laughter behind it when I watched it. But it's basically like Neil Armstrong going to the grocery store and just like thinking about the moon, like getting uh-huh. his stuff. It's like I would love to see a that. Brilliant sketch. Yeah, there was one about uh, goal. What Alan Greenspan? Or the Greenspan Greenspan report or whatever, which is just checking in on his health to make sure he's okay. I mean, you know, I used to always say to Adam and he would get mad at me because I said, you know, these movies, I loved Anchorman and, you know, all the things he did with Will Ferrell. And I said, but you need to really like do something that teaches the world because that's always what he's talked about. And he was like, what? about Step Brothers. I mean, that was a great movie. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. But, you know, and then he did yeah, the big, big short. short. And yeah. now he's doing some other Major things for HBO too, which is again going to open people's eyes, and that's what he should be doing. Although he's hilarious, of course, I'm not saying you should never do comedy, but I used to say Adam for president, man, he's so smart, he's yeah. so yeah. smart, and he's so wonderful. Don't you know? Didn't you love him? Did you? Love I him? loved working under him. He would he's, be like he's he's my favorite person. He's one of my favorite people. He really is. He had just like he would come in for him to look at some ideas, like for pitches for celebrities or whatever. And then he would, just, <laughs> he would like come in and just crack something we'd been working on for like, like, like all day, just with uh, the dumbest thing. Yeah. We, we got, we might get Paris Hilton to do, uh, sh- do you remember the McCain ad that called Bar- Barack Obama celebrity? Uh-huh. Uh, like he was the guy that was like, we'll just get Paris. They compared him to, Barack Obama to Paris Hilton. He's like, well, we'll just get Paris Hilton to do an attack at Emma Oh, uh, right, right. And we're like, that would be huge if you did that. <laughs> like, we were all just, well, yeah. let's do it. And he made like two calls and it was done. He's uh, positive. He can figure out a yeah, way to do yeah. anything. And he's just, uh, he's uh, just great. Force. Uh, do you mind if I ask you about a couple other just performers I'm curious about? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, Farley. Chris uh, Farley. Farley was wonderful. He, um, he was a very good improviser, believe it or not. Like, I mean, they made him a caricature <laughs> on, on Saturday Night Live, you know, mm-hmm. um, with the pants down and falling all over the place. But he was very, very thoughtful. Uh-huh. And um, he would listen. He was like a sponge. He would remember everything. And it, Farley was kind of a phenomenon, actually, because, you know, off stage he wasn't the brightest bulb in the world, you know. But on stage, there was this light went on behind the eyes, and he was ten times smarter than he really is off stage, you know. Um 
he could be the philosopher. He could be, mm-hmm. you know, the politician answering questions. He could do anything. But then off stage, you'd be like, Farley, you shouldn't be smoking and drinking so much. Really? Really? You know, I mean, no, yeah. you know, <laughs> you should, you know. So, yeah. I mean, he, he would just be a different person. It was just like, well, you know, and you've seen it, believe it or not, like when you watch Saturday Night Live. Um, and they used to do the thing of when he interviewed Paul McCartney. Yes. And say, oh, yeah. Remember the Beatles? Yeah. 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 I remember that. That was what about it, it was awesome. I mean, that was Farley. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why they did that. That wasn't just a bit. I mean, Farley would, you know, say to me, Charlotte, remember when you went to New York with Dell? And I went, yeah. He goes, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I go, oh, well, what about it? That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was always doing that stuff. So yeah. when that, when I first saw that on TV, I was like, of course. Yeah. Of course. It was great, too. That's him, you know. But he was a great improviser. Like, I remember one of the best scenes I ever saw was him and Joel Murray improvising a scene about a father picking his son up from the drunk tank. It was a very touching, sad scene because it was kind of based on his life. Yeah. Um, he was very touching. He was very emotional, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, just a wonderful person, very innocent sweet person who didn't think that he would ever be in danger of dying. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Just didn't believe it. Um, I was going to say, yeah, this is, I guess not, it's sort of related. There's a performer out in Los Angeles. I'm not saying who reminds me of Farley, but in that same way of like, she can do big physical stuff, but she's like very much like heart and like that tw- twinkle in her eye. Her name is Betsy Sadaro. I don't know why I'm telling you about her, but uh, <laughs> she's great. She's sort of known. Uh, What's her name? Betsy Sadaro. She was the first guest we ever had on the show. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's really something to watch. I don't know why That's I'm great. mentioning that. I'm just reminded. Yeah, I have a lot of people say to me, you know, I've had people come up to me and go, what would be the next Farley because they're fat? I'm like, Farley wasn't Farley because he was fat. Farley was Farley because of his commitment, you yeah, know? Yeah. But I remember when he first got on Saturday Night Live too, he uh, called me because they were going to do the Patrick Swayze thing. And he oh, was yeah. like, they're making fun of the fat boy. And I said, it's okay, Farley, you can dance. Yeah. You just be the best dancer you can be. And he goes, yeah, that's what I got to do. And I was like, right, yeah. right. You know, but um, yeah, I gave him uh I wanted to give him lessons before he left, like to be tip table manners, you know, because he's such a slob, you know, he would just drink and he didn't care that it fell down his cheeks. You know And I would say? You know, no one's going to take your beer away from you. So I said, let's go to a really nice restaurant and let me work on some things with you. Like, for example, when you see Lauren Michaels and I know you're happy and you're grateful, but don't give him a bear hug and pick him up. <laughs> don't do that. You know, he's like, okay, you know, and by the way, he did anyway. And, um, and then we went, so Dell and I took him to this fine dining restaurant. You know, I said, I want you to be on your best behavior today. The, pretend like I'm from a magazine or something. And like, I want you to have the best manners. He's like, okay. And he um, went to the table. It was a beautiful restaurant. And he pulled the chair out for me and he started to pull, push it in. And then he saw that it slid so easily. So he whipped me across the floor <laughs> and Dell was eating and Dell went, it's hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, are there, so, what do you think of this thing of like sometimes the performers that stay like in Chicago? Uh, I guess you'd be included in this. Like, like, um, I guess just I wanted to hear what your thoughts are on like the performers that stay in Chicago and just kind of like keep working here. Well, uh, there aren't many. Yeah, <laughs> but but there are a few like TJ and Dave. TJ right? and Dave and uh, um, 
I think it's getting to be easier now because there's a lot of shows being shot here from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's Chicago Med, Chicago PD. <laughs> Everyone's getting work. I've been getting work. I, I did Chicago Justice. And I just did a Netflix show, Easy. Oh. So it's like, and Easy's shot here and he's doing oh, really yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it's like, I think more and more things are starting to get shot here. And I, I think that would be just so fantastic. Um Clearly, people are starting to look at comedians here. You know, yeah, Lauren yeah. has been doing that for a long time. He knows Chicago's got something in the yeah. water. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's great because I think that it's there's no reason to have to go to L.A. I mean, nobody really likes going to L.A. <laughs> right. and, and people from New York now come here to be trained. New York used to be the, the road, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I think I think it's it's great if you can do it. Yeah. You know, because. People don't really like being out there. So I think the more if we stay here, maybe if we all stay here, they'll all start coming here to search for us even more. I like it out there. Right? I'm sad that as a Milwaukee boy, I never oh, had Oh, are my, you from Milwaukee? I'm from Milwaukee, yeah. I never had my time. Like, I went to school for four years, and then I kind of went right to L.A. because I'd already taken a UCB oh, class. But okay. I wish I would have had a little time. Here. Yeah, because yeah, closer to home. It's really good to be in Chicago for a while because you'd really take time to bake, yeah. you know, to really get good. That's why the casting directors want to really look at people from Chicago because they know you take the time. Like in L.A., it's like even if they go to I.O., the casting directors say they're there sometimes just because the managers want it on the resume because yeah, they yeah. want improv on the resume. But uh, that's true. It's true. And I'm, here, though, they just want to do it. They just yeah, want to be good. I mean, look at the people that came out of here and everyone here wants to be that good. Yeah. And it really takes some time, you know. That You may have just answered it, but... Um, what did you learn like did you learn anything about comedy opening a theater on the other side of the country in terms of just like how people play it is different it's very different there I mean um, it's been hard it's getting easier now because so many Chicago people have migrated but in the beginning it was hard to convince them that it's not necessary to try to be funny just make each other look good because in fact if you are just trying to be funny and not making each other look good your intelligence your IQ tends to drop right. like about 20 points. Yeah. So if you just work together and that whole concept was like, hell no, there's someone in the audience. I got to shine and I got, and you just end up looking like a dick, right. you know? And so, um, that was hard to get across. Oh, by the way, I forgot to turn off my phone. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Um, we'll is anyone important? Here, so. I'll get know. it. Um, that's okay. If you're calling me, I'm on a podcast. Right now. <laughs> cool. Um, so that, but also, um, yeah, it's just kind of a different animal out there. I, I don't know how many people really want to be improvisers. They really just want to be famous. Yeah, know? yeah. So they're very much in a hurry, you know, and so that's kind of sad because that's how you get good. You know, you just have to really get – because right. let's face it, they want you to know how to improvise. That's why I got work on Easy. He's he's This director, Joe Swanberg, wants it natural, okay. and he yeah. wants it improvised, and he didn't even tell me what the show's about, mm-hmm. my episode. He's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go into an Uber – <laughs> You're gonna talk to this guy. I'm like, well, what's the episode about? Because doesn't matter. Wow. That's interesting. And so, you to yeah, be you. yeah, and uh, it was just really cool. Just improvise. Just, you know, just talk. And um, yeah, that's what they want. They want you know how to improvise, and it takes time to get really good at that and to get really natural. So it is a different animal. And also, I have a teacher here. I won't say his name. He was here. He was like the favorite teacher in Iowa, mm-hmm. and now in LA, they don't like him. Really? They don't like him. Huh. Wow. Everyone complains about him. People are dropping wow. out of his class. And and I have no idea why. I mean, the things that he's doing there that are just not going over and they 
went over in Chicago. So there's something different yeah. about those people, you know. I, I had a hard know. time in Phoenix. <laughs> huh? <laughs> well, we, we've been touring. I don't know if you know if remember our whole story. We're, we're just touring. a train from right. LA to New York. For right. The but we did a workshop in Phoenix, and I, I usually do pretty good in workshops. But in Phoenix, I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> it was, something just, wasn't clicking. Oh, really? Yeah, who knows? Who yeah. knows? I was just trying to, like, at least it was trying to have some fun at the end of it. But yeah, I get a little heady. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I do so, think in LA there is a thing to defend it a little bit. I definitely went there to improvise. I just knew that UCB was opening there. And I was like, uh-huh. I'd rather get on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked out because I teach there now and all that kind okay. of stuff. Uh, but. Uh, I do think maybe one difference is people will take classes and then get the bug. Like, yeah. I do think that right. there are people that like are very committed to it. As is Good. By, like, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, there's some, but I'm yeah. just saying the school grew so much faster here than it did out there. Yeah. You know? So it just, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, I, uh, what are you Give me? I wanted to ask you also, and by the way, we, uh, are you, how are you, how are you doing on time? I'm okay. You're okay? Okay. I just don't want to keep you. What time is it? <laughs> it's like 4.30. Oh, okay. We're okay. I'm, I have an yeah. orientation with new students okay. at 5.30. So okay. good. Um, yeah. I, I sort of wanted to ask you about like, uh, just like, one thing I love about improv is that I'm constantly wrestling with it. Like that there's not like a, there's not a thing that happens where it's like, okay, great. I've reached... Maximum improviser. I've learned everything I need to know. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, and I think that's the fun in teaching it. I think that's the fun in like coming up with new forms. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you see any importance in that? Was that any, something you and Dell talked about at all or like developing forms? That's something we, you still push students to do here or like. Well, well, first of all, I agree with you. You're always learning. Even yeah. when you're teaching, you're always learning. Um and new things are popping up, new ideas are popping up. But I think right now it's, uh, I I don't push people to create new forms. I just um, kind of give the permission. You know, I'm the one who gave permission mm-hmm. uh, for people to take away the training wheels. Yeah. And people thought it was, you know, anathema, like Sharon is saying, drop the form. And I said, no, you know what, the thing is, we got it. We know that we're inspired by the opening, which I still think we need to have something to get our thesis statement on Mm -hmm. and we have our scenes, but we all know now that scenes return in different spans of time. And we listen, remember, and we connect. And and that's, I think the the thing that we have to remember things Mm -hmm. return. We connect, we remember everything. We tie it up. Nothing's wasted. Mm -hmm. Everything's heard. Everything's used. And it doesn't have to be three scenes in a game, three scenes in a game. It could be a bunch of scenes. It could be some monologues. Everything gets used. Everything gets woven together. And so it doesn't matter what form you do anymore. It's, 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 you know, it's like learning the notes to the musical scale. We don't have to sing the same song. You can do anything. So, you can constantly be playing with form, and even when you get up there, you don't know what form it's going to take. You, you can't, um, you can't lead it; it leads you. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. No. So, so, so because of that, people are being freer to come up with different things. You know. So, uh-huh. and all my groups are doing different types of forms. I have one called Devil's Daughter, and they do a really cool thing with monologues in between different scenes. So somebody does a monologue with a whole bunch of scenes and someone else does a monologue with a whole bunch of scenes and then they weave it together later and it's very cool. cool. I love love monologue work. I think it kind of shows who you are to the audience and kind of makes you more interesting because then when you do a character, it's kind of like, oh, but I know him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. Look how totally different he is. I really think it's important to show the audience who you are. 
Well, our audience has some idea. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what the family used to do. You know, they used to just, they would take a suggestion. They just didn't talk to each other for five minutes. They didn't do openings like, mm-hmm. uh, I am a dishwasher. You know, they didn't <laughs> yeah. do that kind of stuff. They would talk. Yeah. And they would talk to each other. And then after a few minutes, they go, all right, yep, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would go and do their thing. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's like an. Do you do an? Ex, is there any sort of exercise or just something you tell your students to keep in mind in terms of this, like the whole show in mind, or like really listening? Um, well, that's what we teach. The whole listening. thing is getting up to like listening and remembering and recycling. That's what we have to do, and weaving together everything, and nothing gets wasted. I mean, that's the skill. That's mm-hmm. like you said, it takes time, and you get better and better and better at it. But that's. What we teach, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. That's sort of right. And it is about listening and remembering, and that's that's why you have to pay attention to each other, you know. Yeah, that's what I tell my one-on-one students. I was like, you might not like improv after this, but you know, you're going to be better at it's conversation. (laughs) You might not not like it, but you might not be (laughs) where you want to be in improv at this. But maybe you'll be a better listener. Maybe you'll notice you're better talking to people. Absolutely. Um. Is there anything like as it's evolved, is there anything that you feel that like uh, that that you saw more of that you don't see as much anymore or anything that's like not lost necessarily along the way, but maybe that's just sort of shifted in the way like uh, because I do think like listening is such an important thing. But I think like, I don't know, I just wonder if we're still listening as good as people were listening yeah we are we have great groups and and everyone's listening i i i i think the work is just getting better and better at least from what i see and i see people doing more writing i see people making web series and Mm -hmm. creating and finding all kinds of different ways to create and work together and um because you know it's it's writing on your feet and so they become so adept at writing right that they're they'll sit and brainstorm and come up with ideas and even just get scenarios and act out these web series and I'm watching things that are happening here. They're just really fantastic. So I think things are just getting better and better and all, yeah. ki- all kinds of opportunities are opening up to them. So more creativity is coming. It's like a hotbed of creativity yeah. here at IO. I love it. So, and, at, and at UCB too. So it's nice. That's it's great. great. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of like, there's a ton of crossover in LA. <laughs> it, UCB, IO and now the pack too. Oh there? yeah. Oh yeah, Miles is thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like the they're, yeah. they're little they're the punk rock game in town now. Mm-hmm. now that UCB has a, <laughs> a huge a huge training center. I don't know if you've been there. Um, that's cool. Um, all right, let me ask you. I guess just uh, I want to know like what's like when you think of like a magical night at IO. Like looking back, there might I know there's probably hundreds of them. Uh, what what like, is a magical night or what was or, or that like one specific one, like oh, one where you go like that was a scene that crushed me or that was when I realized this person was a star or that or this was just oh, a night. Lord. Where we I've been doing this 38 years, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I've got Give a million a of them. I, you know, I mean, I've had, a you know, she's uh, watching the family was always magical to yeah. me. Um, watching Tina and Amy was always magical to me. Do they perform together like mm-hmm. two for? I put them on a team called Inside Vladimir. Oh, okay. That's where they met. I introduced them. Ah, there actually. you go. Oh, they, no. they were both in my workshops, but they were in separate classes. And I loved Tina. And then I loved Amy. And I thought, oh, you know what? These two together will just run those men ragged <laughs> when I make a team. And they did. And Tina actually had a crush on my musical director named Jeff. And then she assisted him in his show that he was directing for me called Hamlet the Melancholy, Melancholy Musical. And they fell in love. And they got married. And they are married today. Wow. 
Oh yeah, he did uh-huh. the music for Thirty Rock, right? Jeff Richmond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was a what were so we? What, that's magical. <laughs> I'm just that was magical. Some, like, so yeah, I mean, I remember. Listen, I remember magic. One of the first magical moments uh-huh. long ago was when we had a group on stage, and this this stage this group was called Cream of Wit. This was long ago, <laughs> and um, they were doing a. A very sad scene. It was a series of scenes about this guy who was framed and he was in jail and he was given the death sentence and the warden liked him and he knew he was framed. And um, they were, it was the night before the execution, they were playing basketball outside. They were, you know, building their scene as they were playing basketball. And um, somehow, and you really liked them both. And then the uh, warden said, you know what? If you hit the other guy, hit a free throw. He goes, if you sink this shot. <laughs> I'm going to get you a stay of execution. <laughs> and so it was a real tense moment. And the guy bounced the ball a couple of times, the imaginary ball. And then he went to shoot and somebody flew up from the audience onto the stage and yelled, tipped it. And he tipped the imaginary <laughs> ball, tipped it. You live. And the audience screamed and went nuts. And it was just like, and, and when I, I, I calmed the audience down, I grabbed the guy who did it and I, cause I was going to give him a free class. You know? <laughs> and he said, uh, he goes, no, no, thank you. No, no. I was like, well, he said, he couldn't believe he did it. He was horrified and he was so embarrassed <laughs> to be on the stage. He was just so pulled. He was just pulled out of the audience. I mean, I wow. don't know who he was, if he was a lawyer or what, but he said, he said, no, thanks. No, I just, I just couldn't bear the thought of him not living. And he was just pulled into it. So I thought that was magic. Yeah. The audience was just dragged into that like that. That was pretty cool. Um, so that was a magical night. Wow. I think, um, Sometimes it's stage things. Sometimes it's me and just the players. Mm-hmm. I personally had a magical night with Pasquazi and mm-hmm. his team, which was Baron's Barracudas. This is kind of a funny story. Um, Dell had taught something called the murder mystery. Uh-huh. And they loved it. They were in the workshops. They were also one of the top players, but we always still took classes with Dell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never stopped. So one day uh, we were in a show and it was Baron Barracuda's time to do a Herald. And then it was another team after them, you know, and um, they were the headliners, whatever. And so they were just ready to end their Herald. And all of a sudden someone came forward from the group and said, there's been a murder, which was the beginning of the murder mystery. I was like, what are these idiots going to actually do a murder mystery now? There's another team waiting to play. They can't do this. This is a 40 minute piece, you know, and they go, and they do a whole murder mystery. Well, I was furious. It was a funny show. The other team got screwed. And afterwards we were doing notes. I said to them, you never do a murder mystery for Harold. Don't you ever fucking do that again. Yeah. I was just so angry. And they all just sat there, you know, and these were my students, people who are supposed to be afraid of me yeah. you know and they just sat there quietly so the next week they go up and they're doing their show and then at the end i'm ready to pull the lights and pasquazi steps forward and goes there's been a murder and i'm like <laughs> i don't believe it i don't believe they're doing this again and and then they did the whole goddamn murder mystery and again another team got bumped and afterwards i'm screaming at them and going how dare you do this how dare you do this these people you have no right to do this and don't you ever if you want to do a murder mystery then don't do a herald but you can't do two things in a row and i'm just screaming and they're all just sitting there quietly so then the third week goes up the herald the baron's barracudas are doing their herald and then uh, all of a sudden as i'm ready to take off the lights john judd steps forward and goes there's been a murder and i'm like i don't believe it i mean i was like running outside i was steam was coming out of my head i was just so angry so at the end, when we're doing notes, of course, 45 minutes, the other team gets bumped. 
at the end, we're in the green room and I'm doing notes and I'm like screaming and yelling at them and going, you know, how dare you, don't you, I've told you this three times, did you ever do this? And finally, and I'm nose to nose with them. I'm like, so now, are you ever, <laughs> ever going to do a murder mystery after a Herald? And they looked at each other and they went, yeah, I think I'm going to. <laughs> and I just fell apart laughing. And that's what a magical night for me because I realized these guys are my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They aren't afraid of me at all yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and they are fucking with me <laughs> and this whole thing has been their effort to fuck with me and i just fell in love with them yeah and um you know that was it you know so that was magical for That's me because girl. it was the i just fell in their laps laughing hysterically because they were just like yeah no, <laughs> won't you yeah i will i will it was like i've lost control That's yeah. That's it so that was wonderful so that was magic for me personally um because that's when I became friends with Pasquazi, who also later, before Adam was broken, living in his car, and I found out he was living in his car, I said, come live with me. Oh. <laughs> and he lived with me. Oh, and um, wow. until Second City, I heard him also. I'm yeah. going on his feet. So I always can spot him. I can always yeah, spot him. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. That's good. Absolutely. It's also like being in a, like, the, like, the idea of, like, pairing Tina and Amy mm-hmm. to being like, you two are going to do a show. Uh... I mean, I'm not saying like I guess I, I, I haven't seen an artistic director do that. Like the way it, the way it works. I mean, they'll do that for a Herald team for sure. Uh, but yeah, usually. Yeah, I put all the teams together, and and really, every night was magic. I mean, when the yeah. family played, I used to leave freaking out because I would think they were so brilliant tonight. They're never going to be able to do this again. Wow. Oh shit! How are they going to ever do anything like this again? Then they come up and do something brilliant the next yeah. week that was totally different. And I go, Oh, now for sure they're never going to be. And after a while I thought, hey, you know what? It's always going to keep happening. Wow. I don't have to worry. It's not going to, there's, there's no endless, there's, there's an endless bottle there somewhere. And, uh, you know, our Armando's were magic all the time. You know, mm-hmm. people were screaming and laughing, but just think of it with Amy and Tina and yeah. uh, Adam and Brian Stack and Jack McBrayer. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. Kettner. I mean, you can't imagine it was just all, wow. and they weren't stars, but they were all brilliant. So you can imagine when yeah. you say, were there any magic nights? I'm like, Oh my God, Monday nights were magic all the time. Yeah. Because they were all playing together. They're like 18 or 20 of them. And they were all on that level. Wow. You know, and you know how brilliant Stack is? You know yeah, Brian yeah. Stack? I, mean, I used oh my to work God. with him at Conan, too. Oh, he's he would brilliant. just walk on and just like, he would walk into office in character. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Not really. No, he's like the nicest guy in the world. But He's the nicest guy in the world. And he could just say one thing and it will just hit you over the head and <laughs> slay you. you yeah. Know? And um, yeah, so it's it was. This army knife of a, yeah. of a guy to have on a staff. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I also remembered my name after I did like the shortest bit on the Tonight Show of Conan, mm-hmm. uh, the Tonight Show version of Conan. I met him once with another friend, Julie Brister, and then like I saw him nine months later in the green room. I was just visiting, and he knew and he you. He was like, "Hey, Josh." I was like, "Yeah, get out of here." Doesn't surprise <laughs> like, me at all. Doesn't uh, surprise me at all. Yeah, I think that yeah because he cares. When he met you, he cared. Yeah, that's just him. He's just the sweetest. He really is the he and Pat Finn. Do you know Pat Finn? Uh, he's, he's he's the neighbor on the middle with Neil Flynn. He's oh, okay. two of the oh, nicest yeah. people in the world. They are the two nicest, most real people in the world. And I always say that. They go, Who's the nicest person? It's those two. Brian Stack and Pat Finn. Yeah, nicest people in the world. I gotta meet that Pat Finn. Oh, Pat Finn's wonderful. <laughs> Pat Finn's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Like that moment. The reason I bring it up and sort of this is like. Uh, it's nice. Sometimes improv, uh, the community feels like a rat race, or people don't get on Herald teams. And it's like fuck, and then or you there's a hierarchy at least in right. in communities and that kind of thing. 
And when like when stack was like that to me, it was for sure as a young kid, it was sure. for sure one of those moments where I was like, it's improv. It's fun. It's a community. Just keep having fun and keep doing the work, I guess. <laughs> I will tell you, I once asked Brian Stack to teach. Oh yeah? And he, he said, Oh, okay. I guess so. And he came in and he said <laughs> He taught for five minutes, by the way, because I, I ended up taking the class. So he said, he said, all you do is someone says something to you, you say something back, and people laugh. <laughs> and I said, Brian, that's that's how you do it. But that's not how everybody does it. And he goes, well, I, I, and I have nothing. Out, trying to figure it out. <laughs> and that's what he said. That's exactly what he goes, well, I have no idea what to say. I was like, yeah, okay, never mind. It's great. It was so funny. He was so funny. Um, I guess last little thing here. Okay. What, what What kind of wisdom would you like to impart on, like, let's say an improviser li- listening in, like, the middle of the country, somewhere where there's not much of an improv scene, or maybe someone that just got started, someone that's new to this. Like, why Why should someone improvise? Or why, not, why should they? I'm <laughs> not saying everyone should. Because it's but the like, most what? fun you will ever have. Yeah. yeah. You're going to make friendships that last forever. Because if you take care of someone, they will take care of you and bonds will form. Um, it will, as Chris Farley said, help you. Well, what was it? I can't even remember. It's something. <laughs> jump higher, jump on your fastest, um, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's just a, a fun art form. It's just something people can do together and create art. Yeah. And it's very exciting. And if you can, come to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come to, come to I.O. Yeah, because we'll give you a family that will last forever. And uh, the family here is fantastic. And I don't mean the family, the old team. I mean, the family, the people that are here are just so incredible. And they take care of each other. And it's such an amazing, amazing, loving place. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's great. Yep. How they do things for each other and create together. And it's just, even if you don't make a team, that doesn't mean you're not a part of the theater because yeah. there are people who don't, but they've turned out to be, you know, look at, um, Ted and, and, uh, Tim Waltz. I mean, Ted, I don't think made a team, although he's brilliant and you should have. Um, but you know, then he directed Tim and did all the, the, the production work on uh, his show the, shrink, you know yeah. I mean? So there's always room for everyone in some capacity. You just got to figure out what it is. Not yeah. everyone's a performer, but it doesn't mean you're not a writer. It doesn't mean you're not a director. It doesn't That's mean you're great. not something else. I think that applies to UCB too. Yeah. I tell all my, and one thing I tell my students is like, just keep working. Just like meet friends, yeah. like use this place, use mm-hmm. the stage. There is a stage. And if you have a good idea, you can put it up. Well, someone's calling me again. Oh, we're back to the spooky my, my spooky <laughs> Dell eerie siren. Uh, well, thank you so much for speaking thank to us. So yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. Uh, we'll link really to great. the IO Chicago uh, and IO just in our show notes. Um, yeah. yeah Safe travels, boys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Bye. you so much. Thank you. So that's our interview with Sharna Helpern. Uh, cool, huh? Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we definitely found it interesting. Uh, real easy edit on my part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just let that one roll. Uh, um, yeah, so that's interview with Sharna Helpern. Uh, thank you for listening to The Meat Improv. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to uh, boardwalkaudio.com slash themeat. Uh, click on support our artists, and then, we get a little, and then you shop on Amazon, and we get a little kickback from that. Yeah, by the truth and comedy. Yeah, mm. like truth and comedy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
or the new season of Easy, <laughs> or the new season of Easy, which she's in, which or Netflix, yeah, or back episodes of um, the Real World where they worked at IO and she was their coach. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. That was a weird time. Uh, <laughs> I remember seeing those guys at IO West. Mm-hmm. Um, Cool. So yeah, if you want to support the show, go there. Uh, other easy way to support the show is to rate us and review us in the iTunes store. Yeah. God darn it. You're Whether you're a friend or our Lyft driver from Arizona. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, I consider him would be one of our best friends. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. Uh, that was that was awesome. We do read those, so it is cool. Uh, yeah, leave us a nice rating and review. Uh, like us on Facebook. We are on Twitter and on Instagram as The Meat Improv. You can mm-hmm. see all sorts of stuff of me torturing Jake on the train tour. Oh, God. Um, but most importantly, yeah, keep <laughs> on listening and tell your friends. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time on The Meat, the meat Improv. Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.